0: Happy Mother's Day everybody. It's like, oh, you don't know, am I supposed to say Happy Mother's Day back because he's not a mom? Awkward. Well, anyway, I want to say a special welcome to all the moms who are joining us today, either on one of our campuses or connecting with us online. Thank you so much for spending a part of your very special day with us here at Cedar Creek, and, and I hope you're encouraged by your time here. Uh, I hope you feel blessed by it, and I hope you know how much we love and appreciate all of the moms and the difference you make in all of our lives. Now, while for most of us, our Mother's Day is a time of joy and celebration, the reality is for some of us, uh, today's a really difficult day. Focusing on moms maybe feels like it's shining a spotlight on what's missing or broken in our lives. And if that's you today, first of all, I just want you to know I'm sorry for that pain and that struggle. And I'm sure just getting up and being here today probably took everything that you have. And I have been praying all week that somehow in some way your time here at Cedar Creek today would be a source of comfort an encouragement to you, that God would just speak a word to you, maybe through a song or a verse or a message or, or just maybe from being around other folks. You would be encouraged and comforted in our time together today, no matter what emotions you're walking through this morning. I do want to encourage you to take out your message notes, and you'll see we're continuing in this series of messages called Transitions. Managing the change in your family. And what we've discovered on this journey is that healthy families aren't made up of perfect people who live in perfect circumstances where everything goes according to plan. What we've discovered is that healthy families are made up of imperfect people who are able to manage change in healthy and God-honoring ways. And let's face it, that is not easy to do. In fact, look at what the Bible says about our families. Proverbs 24, 3. It says, it takes wisdom to have a good family, and it takes understanding to make it strong. In fact, I want you to circle two words in that verse. Circle the word wisdom and circle the word understanding, because those are keys to our families. Wisdom which is something God gives to us, and understanding, which is something we are to give to others, those two things are essential because, let's face it, family relationships, family dynamics are not easy to deal with, and so we need both wisdom and understanding to manage the ever-changing family dynamics that we live in. And so today, since it's Mother's Day, I thought we might spend some time focusing on one of our family relationships that is probably the most dynamic and at times probably the most difficult, and that is our relationships with our children. That parent-child relationship is always in a state of flux. It's always changing, and it's always managing that change. In fact, let me just ask, how many of you here today either are parents or you had parents at one point in your life. Can I see your head? Yeah, I'm pretty much talking to the right crowd, right? So whether you are trying to manage the reality of the children that you're raising, or whether you're just struggling to try to better understand your relationship with your parents, we could all use a little help in managing that ever-changing role of parenting. Now, for those of you who don't have children, don't check out because what we're gonna talk about today is relevant for you as well because we all have children in our lives. Children that we have the opportunity to impact and influence in our lives, whether that's in your extended family, it's certainly true for you here at our Cedar Creek Church family. So I think there's some, something that's relevant in today's message for parents and non-parents as well. When I think about being a parent, and I think about standing up here talking about being a parent, this is a very dangerous place for me to be, right? Because uh, my children live right here in this community. My adult children, many of you know, uh, throughout their lives. And so my parenting skill, or lack of parenting skill, is kind of on display. In fact, I was so... uh, Fearful of talking about parenting and especially on Mother's Day, I asked my wife Terry to come up here and either speak with me or or give the Mother's Day message for us. And you can see I'm up here all by myself. She said, It's all you, big boy. No. Actually, she's speaking this morning at True North Church, one of our church plants. And so if you'll be praying for her as well, that God would use that. But the one thing I know about parenting is it's always changing. I mean, our kids are in a constant state of change from the minute they're born, right? From the, the newborn to toddlers to teenagers to adults, they're constantly changing. And therefore, our role as their parents is constantly changing. I mean, I remember the toddler years. Having five, five and under. I just remember how physically exhausting it was to just try to keep them alive and fed and changed. You know, just, we'd fall into bed completely exhausted. And then, of course, I remember, although it's kind of blurry now, I remember the teenage years. And while that wasn't nearly as physically exhausting, man, it was emotionally exhausting. And now, as a parent of adults, I don't have a clue. I'm not having to figure out. When do you say something? When do you not say something? You know, all of that. And then on top of all of the changes in the relational dynamic, we have a world that is constantly changing all around us. What our kids face in the world today is not only dramatically different than the world we grew up in, But it's different from the world they were in just two short years ago. And in the midst of all of this change, God has some clear truths that can help us parent well. And so this morning, rather than kind of look at some specific strategy of parenting that may be irrelevant and out of date in a few years, I want to look at four core truths about our role as parents. Whether you've got toddlers or adult children or anything in between, whether you have nieces and nephews or you have children here in the church family, there are four things all of us do to parent well, no matter what changes happen. So let's jump in. Number one, the first key to parenting well is to prepare our kids for life, to prepare our kids for life. I mean, if you think about it, isn't that the ultimate goal of parenting? To help our kids become healthy, freestanding, deep-rooted adults who can manage life without us. I mean, if you think about it, our job as parents is to work ourselves out of a job. Now look, I get it. Once a parent, always a parent. That's a lifetime appointment. But the Bible's clear. There will be a time when your children are called to leave and cleave to leave your central family and begin to cleave to and become a part of a family on their own. And our job is to get them ready to be able to do that well. It's kind of interesting to me when you read the Gospels, there's very little written about Jesus' childhood. I mean, I know we know the story of Jesus' birth and the circumstances of that, And then there's that one little incident when Jesus gets left behind in the temple in Jerusalem when he's 12 years old. But other than that, there's almost nothing about what kind of kid Jesus was, what kind of teenager he was, what kind of parents Mary and Joseph were. But there is one verse that I think not only gives us a picture of Jesus' childhood, but I believe it gives a model for us as parents. It's Luke 2.52, and notice what it says. It says, Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. Notice there are four specific areas that Jesus grew in as a child into an adult, right? He grew intellectually. That's what it means to grow in wisdom. He grew physically. That's what it means to grow in stature. He grew spiritually, right, in his relationship with God, and he grew socially in his relationships with other people. And those are the same areas we need to help our kids grow in in order to prepare them for life. But here's the key, moms and dads, we need to do this in a balanced way to balance those four key growth and development areas for our children. Because sometimes as parents, we can get it a little bit out of balance. Like sometimes we get so focused on our kids' intellectual and academic growth that we do it at the expense of their physical development. Or we get it the other way around. We're so focused on our kids' physical development and we spend so much time in travel ball or dance class and we're all focused on their physical development at the expense of their intellectual development. We also do that sometimes, especially within the church as Christ followers. Sometimes we get so focused on our kids' spiritual growth that we do it at the expense of their social growth, right? We, you know, and spiritual growth is important. We want our kids to grow spiritually, but we also want them to be able to interact with people who don't believe like they do, or who have a different set of values. We don't want to raise children who are so heavenly-minded that they're no earthly good. So we need a balance in these key areas of life. That's how you prepare them for life. Because let's be honest, the thought of preparing your kids for life without you is overwhelming, right? Because the world they live in is so complex, right? And it's continuing to get even more complex and different. I look at my grandchildren and I try to think about what the world's going to be like in 20 years. What's the world going to be like when they're becoming adults? And I can't even begin to imagine what they're going to have to face, what they're going to have to deal with. How do you prepare kids for life when you don't know what their life is going to be like? Well, you can't. You can't prepare them for every situation, every unknown, but we can lay a foundation that will anchor their lives to help them deal with whatever they're going to go through. And this is my opinion. I think there are three foundational areas we should focus on when it comes to our children that will help prepare them for life. The first one is relationships. Focus on relationships. Why? Because relationships are critical to the quality of our lives. The quality of your life is directly proportional to the quality of your relationships. If you have good relationships, even bad days are a little bit better because you've got people to share it with. And even if everything is going great, if you don't have good relationships, life is unfulfilling. And so we need to model not only how to have good relationships with other believers, but also we should show them the importance of investing relationally with a few other Christ followers. That's one of the reasons why being a part of a home group, moms and dad, is so important for you because your kids see you modeling that this really matters. Now, I know sometimes I run into parents and they'll tell me, especially with young children, I say, look, uh, we, we can't be in a home group right now because we don't want to be away from our children. We want to make the most of every hour we have with them. And, and I get that, but I would say there's something less important you're doing that you can let go of in order to not only spend enough time with your kids, but also model for your kids that healthy, authentic community with other believers. Focus on relationships too. Focus on character. Focus on your kids' character. What do I mean by that? What is character? We throw that word around in culture all the time. You know, even our community has a character of the month and all that's great. But what is character? Character is all about choices. Your character is the sum total of the choices you make in life, good and bad. So we need to help our kids learn to make good choices. How do you do that? allow them to suffer the consequences of their bad choices that's how you learn to make better choices by living in the pain of the bad choices sometimes as parents we want to rush in and cushion and protect and bail our kids out so they don't feel any pain from their bad choices and a lot of times we are doing that we think it's love but we're actually getting in the way of God trying to grow their character I can't tell you, you know, how many young people today sit down in my office and they're struggling and as I start to talk with them, I realize how unprepared they are, how much they lack coping skills in life when life doesn't go the way they want. And most of the time, it's because somebody jumped in and didn't let them feel the consequences of their bad choices. Focus on relationships, focus on character, and three, focus on values. Help your kids really understand what are the things in life that truly matter. What is truly valuable in life? And I can tell you, it's not the stuff of this world. It's people, it's relationships, it's your faith in God. Teach them those values, model those values. Every now and then, More so in the last five or 10 years, I've run into parents who say, Philip, we don't want to impose our values on our children. We want them to come up with their own values in life. And that sounds so progressive and open minded, but here's the problem it's built on a lie. Nobody develops values in a vacuum. We don't choose our own values. We learn from something or somewhere. Something, someone is going to teach your kids values. The question is, do you want it to be you who love them and truly care about them? Or do you want it to be the world and the people of the world who truly could care less about them? Listen, the more you focus on those three key areas, no matter what age, your children are. Whether they're toddlers or adults, the more you focus on those, the more you are helping them be prepared for the life they are headed to. Two things I want to say. If you can find room on your program there, you may want to jot these down. Two words of encouragement or challenges from me. One, give your kids all of what they need, but only some of what they want. Let me say that again. Give your kids all of what they need, but only give them some of what they want. Why? You say, what's wrong with giving them what they want, Philip? You know, we're in a good place financially. We can afford to give them these things that they want. Why shouldn't I give my kids all that they want? Well, let me ask you this. As an adult, do you get everything you want in life when you want it? Yeah, the world doesn't work that way. And if your kids are 20-something years old, the first time they hear the word no, or wait, or earn it and get it for yourself, they're gonna be crippled for life. The second thing I'd want you to jot down is don't do for them what they can do for themselves. Don't do for your kids what they can do for themselves. Why? Because when you take responsibility for somebody, you're taking responsibility from somebody. Let your kids do age-appropriate things. They'll mess it up. They won't get it right. That's okay. They'll learn through the failure. Our granddaughter Piper's almost four. And when, when we're keeping her, she's riding with me. I'm letting her try to get unbuckle the car seat and buckle herself in the car seat. And it takes her, it takes a little longer. It'd be faster to do it for her. But I don't want to do for her what she can do for herself. Give your kids chores around the house, right? So that you are. Helping them develop responsibility. You want to parent well? Then start by preparing them for life. Number two, the second thing we need to do to parent well is to invest relationally. Invest relationally in your kids. The most important thing you'll ever do as a parent or as a significant adult in the life of a kid is to develop a good relationship with with them. Now I know that seems obvious, but here's the thing. Parenting in the early years when they're still living in your home, parenting is a very task oriented job, right? There's all these tasks to do, to get them ready, to feed them, bathe. There's so many tasks in parenting that sometimes we forget that our most important task as a parent is to build a relationship with our kids because that's the only thing that's going to last. Let me tell you, as a parent of adult children, I know it's hard for you to realize if you're in the throes of toddlers or teenagers, but one day, those tasks are going to end. And when they do, the only thing that will be left between you and them is the relationship you're building right now. Because the day's coming, mom, dad, when they will determine how much time you get to spend with them. They will be in charge of how often you see their your grandchildren. Those of you who are under the age 40, sometime today I want you to Google or go on Spotify and check out a song called Cats in the Cradle. Old people like me, they're laughing because they know that. It's such a powerful truth about the importance of building a relationship with your kids. Now look, I know for some of you today, That is a source of great pain for you because you don't have a good relationship with your adult children. And my goal today is not to heap shame and guilt on you for your failures during the parenting years that you worked to. I don't know what it was, but I'm not here to throw more guilt and shame on you. I'm here to encourage you to say it's never too late with our God. Our God is in the miracle business. And as long as they're alive and you're alive, there is an opportunity. So do what you need to do now to open that door to try to connect relationally with your children, whatever age they are. Jesus models this idea of investing relationally in children. In Mark chapter 10, perhaps you're aware of this story. One day Jesus and his disciples They were full bore in the ministry. They were on the road teaching, preaching, having huge crowds, all of that stuff. And so one day they're in a village and a group of parents, probably a group of moms, bring their toddler children to see Jesus. Jesus had gained some fame. People knew he was either a prophet of God, maybe even the Messiah. And so they wanted their kids to meet Jesus while he was in their village. And as they're getting close to Jesus, the disciples step in front and say, where do you think you're going? They're like, we just want our kids to meet Jesus. They're like, Jesus ain't got time for your rug rats. We're busy about important kingdom business. We're changing the world. We ain't got time to mess with no children. That's how the disciples responded. But look at how Jesus responds, Mark 10, 14. Jesus said, let those little children come to me and do not hinder them. For the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. What's he talking about? What's he saying? Jesus is saying that these small children have value. They matter. They are worth connecting with relationally. So you need to understand in this culture, it was the exact opposite of our culture today. Like our culture today is all about the kids. The kids are the most important part of the family. We have these kid-centric homes. That's kind of what's going on in our culture. But in Jesus' culture, little kids were not important. Why? Because they had no value until they were old enough to work and to help out the family and to help out on the farm. And because the mortality rate was so high, especially among children, it's like, don't bother doing anything. Let's see if they make it. They're just consumers right now. They're costing us. Let's wait and see if they're able to help us. And then when they can give something back, then they're worthy of our time and our energy and our relational capital. But Jesus flips it on his head, on its head. He says, These kids matter right now. They're worth connecting with relationally. That's why here at Cedar Creek we invest the huge resources that we invest in our Kids Creek Children's Ministry and our Center Point Student Ministry. We want it to be the best that there is, you know why? Because we don't see the kids as the future of our church. They are the church right now. They have an important role to play. They are worth investing in relationally. And let me just throw this little sidebar commercial in. If you don't have a place to serve within the church yet, that might be a great place for you to begin investing relationally in the children and students of Cedar Creek. It's what Jesus did. He didn't just say they were valuable. Look at verse 16. He put his money where his mouth is. He said, then Jesus took the children in his arms, he put his hands on them, and he blessed them. What's he doing? He's connecting relationally. He's getting down on their level. He's engaging with them. Two things Jesus teaches us about investing relationally in our kids. One, spend time with them. He took the time to be with them. As busy parents, I remember trying to convince myself that even though I didn't spend a lot of time with my kids, I made sure it was quality time. That I'm spending quality time with my kids. Can I just tell you, that is a myth. That is a lie from the pit of hell. Kids don't know the difference between time and quality time. It's all quality time when you take the time with them. Spend time with them. And then the second thing Jesus shows us, be high touch. He put his hands on them. He hugged them. They climbed up into his lap. He put his hands on their heads and he blessed them. If we want to invest and connect relationally with our kids, we need to be high touch. Get your hands on them lovingly and appropriately. Put your hands on your kids. Now, I know some of you, especially some of you guys are saying, look, we're not touchy-feely people. We wasn't raised that way. We don't do the whole hugging, touchy-feely, and can I just say in all love and honesty, get over it. Your kids need it. Your kids need you to put your... I don't want them to be sitting in a church 20 years from now and a preacher talk about this and they say, well, I didn't grow up this way. Break the generational cycle. Now, little warning If you've not been high touch with your kids, don't go home today and try to hug and kiss all over them. It will freak them out. They'll think either you're dying of cancer or you're getting a divorce, right? But slowly, put your hand on their shoulder, an arm around them. If we'll do this, our sons will learn how to appropriately use physical touch and our daughters won't go looking to have that need met by people who will hurt, and abuse them. The more connected you are relationally to your kids, whatever their age, the more effective you'll be as a parent. Number three, the third thing we need to do is celebrate their uniqueness. Celebrate their uniqueness. You know the most amazing thing to me about our five kids is how dramatically different they are from each other. Right. Think about it. They have the same biological parents. They have the same DNA. They were raised in the exact same environment, and yet they're dramatically different. I've got some that are introverts, some that are extroverts. I've got some that are stoic and reserved. I've got some that are very emotionally expressive. I've got some who process very logically and linearly, and then I have some who are free spirits and just fly by the seat. Of their pants. And the Bible is very clear that those differences is God's handiwork. Right? Psalm 139 you knit me together in my mother's womb. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. And look, I love the variety and diversity within my family, but can I tell you, it sure makes parenting hard, right? Because what I learned with the first one, completely useless with the other four. You know, as parents, Terry and I have had to learn five different methods of discipline, five different styles of communication, and five different love languages just to connect with our kids. But not only do we need to recognize their uniqueness, we need to celebrate it. We need to value it because if we're honest, too many times as parents, we want to mold our kids into our own image. We want them to like what we like and we want them to be good at what we're good at, but understand children are not things to be molded. They are gifts to be unfolded for God's glory. Proverbs 22, six, most misunderstood verse in all of the Bible. You're probably familiar with it. It says, train up a child in the way he should go. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. We typically interpret that verse to mean if you bring up your kids right, if you have them in church, if you do all the right things, they may rebel for a season, but eventually they're coming back to God. That's how we think that, what that verse says. Here's the problem with that interpretation. One, this is a proverb, not a promise. Proverbs are things that are generally true. Promises of God are always true. There are no guarantees with your promise. Children, no matter what you do, they are free willed people who have to make their own decisions. If you could make them become Christ followers when they're adults, then that makes you God and them just pawns in your hand. The other problem with that interpretation is that phrase in the way, right? We think that means in the right way, in God's way, but if you look at the Hebrew translation, The word that's used there means their path, the way they live. In other words, probably a better English translation would be train them up not in the way, but in their way. I think the Amplified version says, train them up in keeping with their unique bent and gifts. Those of you who work with wood, you know you always get better results when you work with the grain instead of against it. Children are a lot like that. In fact, that's why one of the best things you can do as a parent or an adult who has kids in your life is discover what they love, discover what they're good at and support and encourage them in that so they can do it for God's glory throughout their life. Celebrate their uniqueness. And finally, number four, maybe the most important thing we can do to parent well is point our kids to Jesus. Point our kids Jesus to Jesus. Now, as I said, we can't force them to become Christ followers. They can't inherit their faith from us, but there are things we can do to point them to Jesus. In fact, look at what the Bible says, Ephesians 6, 4. It says, raise them, talking about our kids, raise them with the training and teaching of the Lord. I love the message paraphrase of this. It says, take them by the hand and lead them in the way of The master. That's what it means to point our kids to Jesus. How do we do that? How do you point your kids to Jesus? Well, I think probably one of the best pictures in all the Bible is found in the Old Testament with the nation of Israel. If you remember when God rescued them from slavery in Egypt and Moses led them out into the desert. The first thing God did was give them the the 10 commandments, but that's not all he gave them, this list of 10 do's and don'ts. He gave them a whole list of guidelines for life, how life works best, how to relate to him and how to relate to each other. He gives them this whole list of guidelines and then look at what he says in Deuteronomy 6, 7. God said, these guidelines for living, impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, and when you lie down, and when you get up. Two things this verse makes very clear to me. One, whose responsibility it is to point our kids to Jesus. It says, impress them on your children. As parents, we are to be the spiritual leaders of our children children. This is not something we can delegate to the church or the small group leader or to some other organization. We are to do this ourselves. Now look, I get it. That's intimidating to be asked to be the spiritual leader of your children when you're still struggling with your own spiritual journey. But understand, being the spiritual leader of your kids is not about you having all the right answers. It's just about you taking their hand and walking that journey With them, As you grow spiritually, take them by the hand and walk them with you. And here's the good news, you're not alone. Our role as your church family is to equip you to be the spiritual leader of your kids, to give you encouragement and tools. That's why we offer the seminars like Baby Steps and First Steps. That's about equipping you to be the spiritual leader of your kids. That's why we encourage all parents to download the Parent Q app, it is a phenomenal tool that gives you access in your hand to all kind of issues and struggles that are relevant and up-to-date based on your kid's age and the culture around us. Parents of Kids Creek kids, that's why we give you that stuff to take home when you pick them up. Sometimes it's a bag, it's something. We're not giving that to you to become litter on your car's floorboard. We are giving that to you for you to use it to interact with your kids. And look, this verse not only tells us who's responsible for pointing our kids to Jesus, but it also tells us how to do it. Because notice it says, do this when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down, and when you get up. What does that mean? It means all the time. In the natural rhythms of your family life. Help your kids understand that their relationship with Jesus is not a compartment of their life. It's not one hour on Sunday morning. He's a part of every part of our lives. And every day, parents and other adults who care for kids, you have incredible, teachable moments. Things happen, and you can leverage those to talk to your kids about who Jesus is and what he's done for us. I guess I would wrap up by saying this. In the ever-changing lives of our kids that are being lived out in an ever-changing world, there is no better gift we can give to our kids than to point them to the one who can bring hope in the uncertainty of life. To the one who can bring peace in the midst of the inevitable storms that are coming and the one who can give them a purpose that is truly worth living. I think that's maybe why Paul wrote these words in Philippians 3 eight. He said, yes, everything else. Everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. Would you pray with me? Just wherever you are on a campus online, just, just bow your head, close your eyes for just a minute. I don't know what you're going through as a parent. I don't know what you're going through in your relationship with your parents. I don't know if today is a day of joy for you or today a day of deep pain. But whatever it is, I'm convinced you are not here by accident. God brought you here to speak hope and comfort and joy into whatever your struggle is. Maybe for you, it's that need for a miracle to restore a relationship with an adult child. Maybe for you, you are a mom who is completely exhausted. And every time you go on Facebook or social media, you feel like a failure. You feel like you're not getting it done well. If that's you today, I want you to know you're doing a great job. And I would encourage you when you're exhausted, take some time to take care of yourself. Church family, husbands, men in the lives of moms, let's don't just make it one day a year when we come alongside and and give them some margin and some time to rest and recover. Or maybe you're here today and you're struggling because of what you did not have growing up. I'm here to tell you, your heavenly father is everything your earthly parents were, not and he can fill those gaps and restore to you the life that you were called to. I don't know where you are on your journey, but I know God is more than enough. Oh, Jesus, thank you. You are all we need. Help us keep our eyes on you as we walk this difficult and often broken road with you and with each other. It's in your name we pray. Amen.